Ladies and gentlemen, the following is an excerpt from the forthcoming epic three-part documentary, We Bought a Kazoo, the full story of the Empire Podcast, Marvel Studios, Fanfare Orchestra. Feeling the pressure of their approaching deadline, the Empire Podcast, Marvel Studios, Fanfare Orchestra searches for new song ideas. What is about to emerge will become their next single. That's working for me. Anyway. <laughs> no, that sounds. No. That's not the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. We have got back to where we once belonged in the pod booth. In the pod booth. In the pod booth. Oh, what a time to be alive. Kazoo's at the ready uh, because we are back, 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 back in the studio to talk about the third episode of Hawkeye, the latest MCU show on Disney Plus. The new episode of Hawkeye, or for our Scottish listeners, Hawkeye the New. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. No. No. Mm. So we managed to offend Scousers and Scottish people inside the first two minutes. Who well, next? Just give it time. <laughs> Who next? I don't know. Bring me a globe, and we'll spin it <laughs> random. <laughs> it's Italy's turn, and here's House Jared Leto. Already did it. <laughs> I love it, the Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> It's a real firecracker. Hey, I love the pizza dog. And the dog made entirely of pizza. <laughs> Hello, Bob. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest episode of the Hawkeye Sporter Specials. We're in the studio. I am joined, as ever, by my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Helen O'Hara is here. Hello, I prefer Helen or Hawkeye for these purposes. Helen or Hawkeye? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, I like that. Let's be thematic. You know? I like that. Uh, it is, uh, who else? Ben Travis, who has got a sweatshirt on with um, a Marvel logo, just in case you were worried about his affiliations. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, my check came through. We're all good. I was worried because I wasn't on last week if it was going to arrive in time, if mm, I was missing off the list. Mm. But I got it, I cashed it, I got my yeah, sweatshirt. Yeah. It's all good. It's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year. Uh, last but not least on the podcast, we are joined by the one, the only, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Bro. Trust a bro. Trust a mon Mormon. <laughs> Hello there. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. All the better for seeing this episode, right? Right. Yeah. What a belter. Yes. yes. Good what shit. a belter. I think I... this episode is so good, it may even have uh, turned James Dyer around on Clint Barton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, I want Maybe to not. <laughs> <laughs> I want there Christmas to... miracles and then there's that. <laughs> I wanted our combat. I got our combat. I'm a very happy chappy. 
Oh. If you want Arrow combat, you should really be watching Arrow, but okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've watched all eight seasons of that show. But <laughs> what, waiting for the Arrow combat to begin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. think that you have manifested this marrow? Arrow, marrow? Do you think that... <laughs> Amon has manifested a marrow. He's managed to <laughs> twist on the Empire. Wow, it's, it's Curse of the Were-Rabbit all over again in here. <laughs> Do you think you have manifested this arrow combat that you have you have asked and the universe has listened and given it to you? I'm going to say yes to all of that. All right. Okay. So you're welcome, everyone. I would like to manifest some arrow video um, instead of spending all my money on them. Uh, buying <laughs> films that I already have, buying another copy of Crimson Peak just because it has a really nice cover. <laughs> How many copies of Crimson Peak do you have? I think this might be my third copy because wow. I lost one <laughs> and then I got a replacement for that and then there was this shiny Arrow video version what, and it looked gonna, so good. You got to do it. So I had to do it. Yep. Shiny, shiny, shiny peaks of crimson. Bit it's of, very musical. This it episode. is very musical. Yes. I feel inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I began to work, by the way, on um, a full track list slash running order for Rogers the Musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's, a, it's a work in progress. So I'm not going to share it with you this week, okay, but yeah, we yeah. have three more of these to do. We'll just, we'll just put it on at the public theatre to, to gauge the interest before taking it to Broadway. To gauge interest? That's Age? an interesting right. pronunciation. <laughs> I mean, okay. Helen has run a marathon today, by the way. We should, we should maybe point only that out. Half. It's fine. It's only a half. I'm yeah. fine. But I can totally do Helen this. Helen is like the so second Death pain. Star. She has Her, her defences are weakened. <laughs> So much pain. Oh, I pain. thought you meant because it's just a half, like the second Death Star. It's just oh, <laughs> also true. Oh, though. that is very yeah, good. Very yeah, good. that's what I meant. Yeah, that's sure. what I meant. Yeah, but yeah, I'm in a musical mood, uh, so I started to write down. I started to write down all the high points in, like, all the moments of drama in Steve Rogers' life that would be <laughs> dramatized and, and given a, a song. And then, of course, you have to have all the musical rules, don't you? So it can't just be Steve. You know how you have to give significant numbers to significant others in his life. So Peggy has to get a song. Peggy has mm-hmm. to get a, a torch song. What's the I want song? What the, all this stuff? All the stuff you've considered. Like, does Ultron get a number? Of course he fucking does. <laughs> oh God, that should be a song. Steve Thor and. It's all about me on there. Is oh, is yeah. is Steve's "I Want Some" song something really like cute? Like I want to help. Oh. <laughs> he just wants to help, guys. He just wants to help. It's little skinny Steve, mm-hmm. and he just wants. I to don't help. like bullies. Yeah, but there's definitely. I haven't figured everything out yet. Okay, I haven't figured it all yet. You yet, definitely but, haven't. But <laughs> we had a date. Is I think mm-hmm. the big song, and I think that, mm-hmm. I think that 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 it, so initially it's Steve and Peggy together. You know, the, you know when they fall in love. You know, maybe we have a date, and then whenever he no. goes into the ice, she has a solo number, very, very just a sad. reprise, a, a re- reprise, yeah. yeah. And then you know that's very, very sad. And then by the end, when they're reconciled, but I began to worry about the end. All right, so I know we're here to talk about Hawkeye, but fuck that for a second. <laughs> and it's a great episode as well, yeah, terrific episode, episode. like one it. of the best things the MCU has done this year. Yep. And given that yeah, they did probably. Black Widow and Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's saying something. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what? what? Somebody's firing Ooh. explosive arrows today. <laughs> or at least one's filled with purple slime anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. So it's great. It's great. I will get that in yep. a second. Steve Rogers. Yeah. All right. Does he? Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's where the end of uh, Endgame is going. That is. Well, that's that's his first time. It, that is we, his first just, time. And we've had that is his first time. Not getting into it. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so how much of what's what happened to Steve mm. is public knowledge? So, in when I'm, when I'm writing Rogers the musical, sure, 
I had to consider this. Of course. So my natural ending for Rogers the Musical is a duet. Steve and Peggy doing We Have a Date. Mm. All right. Which is now they're dancing and then, you know, they kiss maybe a little further. I don't know. Wow. Not on. St- I mean, uh, although I look, I I immediately say no, but we live in a time when the Frozen musical on stage, spoiler, has a nude scene. So, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it happened. I I, uh, I just. Wow. Someone took Let It Go to literally. I, they really, I mean, they really did. There's a whole sauna number and they're all dancing around in the uh, Sorry, what? sorry. What? Icicles what? fully out. I mean, no, there's there's the strategically placed branches, but there's a whole mm. chorus line of naked people is it, in the Frozen uh, musical. Is it Olaf? There's naked people. Naked people, people. Who are naked. I mean, they're actually wearing body stockings or something. But the point is, it's the Frozen musical for kids. No, I'm saying. There's all these naked people on stage. It's very weird. Anyway, but, you know, songs are great, I suppose. awkward conversation with little five-year-olds. Uh, this sounds one. like something like Weaselton would do. Am I, am I right? Am I right? Frozen wow, reference. that was Come a on. very good Frozen it, I, That was, was a deep cut there. I was desperately googling in my head. <laughs> I was going to go for Love Really Is an Open Door. <laughs> very good. The cold How? never bothered them anyway. <laughs> but it would do, wouldn't it? It, it would shrink yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a retractable pen. Oh, no. I feel like we're on a tangent within a tangent within a tangent. <laughs> how did we get here? Like the windmills of my mind. Yes. This is how Paul McCartney will get back. It's working for us. Okay. So how much of what happened to Steve is public knowledge? Okay. So mm-hmm. if I were to put, we have a date mm-hmm. in at the end of Rogers the Musical, which by the way, Kevin, if you're listening to this, I am now writing for you. Wow. That, I mean, I, if feel you, like, I feel like he's sitting there going, we could do better. No, you can't do better. And uh, as 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 an example of that, mm-hmm. as an uh, ex- example of my work, mm-hmm. I uh, refer you to "Call Me by Your Name," okay, which is mm-hmm. the Christmas number one in Your every head. country in no? my head. And you know, I can write. I can write toe tappers. I can write earworms. Mm-hmm. I can write them all. Torch songs. Yeah, I guess. I, candle songs. So. Like, I don't want to argue with you. All it's of Christmas them. and such. It is Christmas. This is a time of miracles. <laughs> so be of good cheer and give me lots of money for writing Rogers the Musical. Anyway, how much? So, so if I were to put We Have a Date in. Okay. Well, I don't okay. think, that I don't think that's common knowledge. Okay, I don't think it's common knowledge, but there might be uh, sort of speculation that he either, they know he went off time traveling, maybe. Maybe. Do they? Interesting question. They, they might know he went time traveling. <laughs> Rogers went to traveling and he did ride a hog. <laughs> so maybe they then can like fanfic this shit. Fanfic the shit? Fanfic this shit. <laughs> I think that they would have interviewed people kind of around Steve. So possibly Peggy interviews, which gives them that material. How also, would they interview Peggy? Well, before be- Winter before, Soldier. Yeah. Before, mm. before, you know. Okay. Right, but, but and through the course of her lifetime, she probably will have told a bit of her story with well, like Steve to the and all of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, then you also have interviews with Sam Wilson and with Bucky, who will want to in look in a world where this is clearly based somewhat on Hamilton, <laughs> an American <laughs> musical. Which, to be clear, you have to have and Peggy. You could absolutely have. You really could have an and Peggy, but also Bucky legitimately could be. And I'm the damn fool who shot him. Exactly. Oh, yes. So this is the thing. I think. I think the final song. Steve has disappeared. No one knows that he's actually gone back to the fifties to mm. potentially another universe or not, depending on who, you, which writer you ask. You're, you're, they don't know. The all they know is that he has disappeared. And the final song is everyone else telling Steve's story. So it's, it's no, Sam. Ben. I've Bucky. been very clear. About he's this. been very clear. The last song 
is Steve and Peggy. <laughs> but it could be like a sort date. of it could be like an end of Titanic sort of a yeah. you know like other world. Everyone joins in like we have a date. The world has a date. One day they <laughs> will be Steve. reunited with Steve. It's I mean, a it's work in progress. Very 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 work in progressy. Yeah. I, I, you know, no bad ideas apart from th- those ones. No bad ideas. <laughs> no bad ideas. Those it's were, a safe space. It's a safe space safe for Rogers and Musical. Yeah. We're 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 working it out. Okay. Uh, no, I, I genuinely I wondered because Sam in Falcon and Winter Soldier seems to be not telling people that Steve showed up and which makes me makes me wonder like do people know where he got the shield from there's Is, a prevailing sentiment in that show that he's on the moon sort of a half well, no, joke, people half, people no. aren't yeah people are yeah. unclear i think it's a yeah. it's a weird theory rather than so it's, yeah. the world doesn't seem to know that he's back is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think the Avengers have very, very carefully kept that knowledge from the world, which is weird because, you know, we have established that they, people have a weird amount of, of information about the exact details of the battle, mm. um, but they seem to have successfully kept that piece of information back to protect old Steve. Do you think that the world knows about the time travel? Because well, that that's, feels uh, like something the, the Avengers would want to would keep Would want to keep that. that. That's why I sort yeah. of stopped myself when I was saying that, because I do yeah. think that that is something they would strategically want to keep top secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that I think there's a very good chance that they don't know about the time travel element of that. That's very interesting. So, for mm. example, so after they go to whatever planet that was that Thanos was on in Endgame. No, the Thanos was living on. Titan. Oh, the, the, yeah, the unnamed yeah, Garden the unnamed planet. planet yeah. the Garden Planet. The Garden Planet. Stardew Valley. <laughs> what? It looks like Stardew Valley. He started a farm. He has a whole thing going What's on. What's Stardew Valley? It's a very addictive video game where you start a farm. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, All right. Could possibly snap off All right. the universe out of existence. So after they go there and Thor does what he does, mm-hmm. which is basically screw the pooch, mm-hmm. did they tell the world that? Did they go, hey guys, we went to find Thanos and... And he had burned all the stones. And and then we cut his head off. What? (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry, we're still here to protect you. (laughs) Don't worry, we went back in time and changed the fabric of reality. Yeah, I mean, look, there's lots of kind of timey-wimey multiversal stuff that they can just sort of hand wave. And and look, if, if you brought back half the world's population and you went and people said, oh my God, how did you do that? And you went, it's classified. People are probably going to be like, okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah, because this is like a massive, massive thing. This is, you know, yeah. big news. So, just, I mean, they're just happy that they're back, mostly. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love that, the, the, you know, this sometimes, at least, uh, this universe engages with the fact that it would cause ruptions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do. <laughs> is this where you get your The Room Where It Happens song, where there's an element of like, <laughs> we don't know what happened, so we're going to write a song about the fact that we don't know what happened, That's and it's called It's Classified. <laughs> is that Clint? Is that Clint's song? Is that how we bring this back to Hawkeye? Is that Clint's song and Rogers the Musical? Sure, funny. it can be. Yeah, whenever whenever Infinity War is going on, he's basically he. I want to be in the room where it happened, but instead I was running around the world killing a bunch of people. It's amazing. It probably definitely doesn't say that. It's amazing yeah. how much sense this makes when you apply Hamilton logic to yeah. everything. Like ah. my shot is uh, Cap applying for to, to for the for World War yeah. Two, jumping on the grenade. Right. Yeah. That's what, that's just, what in my like head, it. the Hamiltonness of it means that I think by the end of Song One, he's already in the army. That that's no, like yeah. we're gonna oh, scoot, sure. we're oh, gonna yeah, like yeah. scoot through a lot of history, yeah. well, wrap a lot of stuff up in the opening number, so that then we can get straight into he's got the super soldier. Well, song one, of course, in, in Hamilton is you know the the whole thing is is right yeah. there. So that's that's basically what you do. You introduce the cast of characters in in song one in Rogers the musical, 
And then from there, you go back to Weekly and Steve. You got to introduce Bucky. You got to introduce Peggy. You got to introduce all that sort of stuff. You got to have the moment where he like soups up and takes those steroids. And, you know, and oh my God. that's what happens, isn't it? Basically, the super soldier serum is essentially steroids. So disrespectful. You know, winners don't do drugs, but Steve Rogers apparently does. I don't know. <laughs> And and then you got to do all that sort of stuff. You got to have the whole business with Bucky. You got to have the whole fallout with Tony. You got to have you know his failure to to fight Thanos on the battlefield at the end of. Oh <laughs> anyway, You're should we talk about Hawkeye? To, should we talk You're about just trying to provoke me? Let's talk about My Hawkeye. Name is no, Stephen Jared is it Jared? It's something like Jared. Jared. Hmm? Who are you talking about? His his middle name. He has a canonical middle name. Really? Yeah. It's not Gerard. It's, it's not Stephen like Gerard. Gerard Rogers. <laughs> it's, something like, <laughs> it's not Gerard. Right. That's I'm thinking of Liverpool. But it is something similarly like kind of nondescript. Okay. Lovely cushion header for Rogers. <laughs> Can't quite see that happening. It, but it is something. It's something like uh, not a million miles away. It's mm-hmm. like. A boring, a boring male name. Klopp. <laughs> not, not physically. Klopp it's not physically close to Anfield. the Liverpool team. I'm just saying like, All right. anywho. L4. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, anyway. He's just naming Liverpool. I'm just naming Liverpool things now. Just, I'm just pointing to things and naming them Hope Street. Anyway. Uh, building. Liver building. No, we don't talk about that. It's owned by Everton. Anyway, so uh, let's, let's move on now. How? <laughs> 45 minutes in? Let's talk about Hawkeye because genuinely this is a fucking great app. Yeah, yeah, it is. We did six hours on Hamilton. It doesn't surprise me that we could do three hours on uh, and Rogers, the Musical. musical. <laughs> it doesn't even exist yet. Yet. doesn't even exist yet. I kind of want a sort of... Okay, just for one more thing. So... I know him I know, so well. We're doing Columbia musical now as well yeah, because I have notes. Okay, uh, I know him so well. You you know that song. I from, know him so well. Right, and it's for, it's two women who are in love with the same man singing about Barbara him. Dixon and Elaine Page. Okay, it's a it's a Bucky and Peggy duet. This is happening. Okay, interesting. Amon's not sure. <laughs> Amon is not sure. Wasn't it good? Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Hawkeye. Yay, we loved it. Great, okay. <laughs> Join us next week. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, okay. So we start off with the uh, the bonds still on. They're still in... Well, we don't start off with that, Helen. Yeah. No, we start no, off true. with the... We started with a, a flashback. Yeah, with flashback. I was very yeah. intrigued by that because they left off episode two in a really you know, interesting cliffhanger. And I expected them to leap right back into that. But I loved what we got with Echo and the focus on that character because yeah. we got... You know, she was introduced, but she didn't even get so much as a name drop mm. at the end of episode two. Here we really get the spotlight on her. And just as um, in the first episode, we got uh, that spotlight on young Kate Bishop and sort of found out a lot more about her and a lot about what drives her and what made her want to become a super. We find out a lot, bo- find out a lot more about Echo, mm-hmm. about Maya Lopez here and about uh, her relationship with her father and her uncle, which is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um and Lots yeah. of exciting unclesness, aren't there? You know, <laughs> world uh, Uncle Simon Cowell got bumped off in the first episode, and there's yeah. another uncle. Uh, I wonder who this could be. <laughs> I wonder, I Uncle wonder. Wilson, that that large figure in the dark suit with a familiar sounding voice. I wonder. Did who we that hear could him speak? Be. I thought we did. Didn't no, we? we didn't. No. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm just yeah. projecting. I'm uh, projecting mentally. Vanessa, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Spiker. But yeah, I love uh, that they have. Uh, kept the mimicking ability from uh, the comics for Maya and I love how that's uh, exemplified uh, she, she obviously kicked ass in karate as a young kid and you also see her in the boxing ring uh, doing her thing as well so all of that stuff really really worked for me 
Yeah, I love the opening to this episode. I thought it was really great. And it sort of solidified having that opening be about Echo as a kid and her relationship with her dad. It just sort of solidified to me that so far this seems to be a show that is a lot about parents and kids Mm -hmm. that you've got kate's relationship with her mum and her dad who as well having listened to last week's episode i think you guys all agree as well that he's probably not dead um or possibly not dead but her relationship with her parents and sort of with clint as a father figure and now um maya lopez her relationship with her dad um and a father figure in uncle who could that be and then also this relationship between clint and his kids about it being Mm -hmm. him trying to get home to his kids for christmas i think that's a really lovely through line for this whole Mm. show it really is we 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 will i I suppose get on to the the scene of him talking to nat on the phone nathaniel on the phone Mm. but it's absolutely heartbreaking it's a brilliant brilliant scene and and what's brilliant about it is that his son isn't reproaching him for not being home for christmas that Mm. he is so used to this state of affairs that he is comforting his dad on his upcoming failure the son assumes (laughs) to come home when he says he will that's that's far more heartbreaking Mm. than any kind of i want you home Mm -hmm. for christmas would have been because Mm -hmm. it shows a level of a pattern of behavior Mm. that is just oh just upsetting it's just it feels also like the first time that kate is really understanding and taking notice of what clint is giving up to help her as well because like he said it before on a number of occasions but Kate, I think, has been very much in Bangor mode and hasn't really taken that in until that moment. And it's a beautifully acted scene on both levels. Yeah, I thought the scene was terrific. I thought it was absolutely devastating. I've seen the episode twice now and both times it made me tear up. Mm. Um, full disclosure, Manly Man uh, admits tearing up. Shocker. Yes, that's right. I have a heart, you monsters. Uh, I thought it was absolutely amazing for all the reasons that you've said, but also for other reasons as well. You know, we're in a pandemic. Some of us haven't seen family for a long, long time. It just, it, it yeah. just, hit me where it hurts a little bit so yeah I thought it was really really nice but it was also a lovely moment as you say in that bonding between Clint and Kate which I think gets brought to the next level in mm. this episode mm-hmm. but here yes she sees the sacrifice he's making for her but you also, you also get to see real pain on his face as well the moment where and also that it's just a, a beautiful mechanic of really leaning into his Hard hardness of hearing is that what you would say? I guess yeah. uh, you know because yeah. he, as he points out, I'm hard of hearing. I'm not deaf, but he can he can barely hear anything. And just the disconnect between what his son is saying and what he is saying, and then that moment where he realizes that you know when Kate holds up the the the, the note from Nate going, it's okay if you don't make it home for Christmas, and that almost breaks him. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. tremendous. Like you know, if, I think Jeremy Renner is very low key, not low key, but mm-hmm. low key in this role. But I think that moment you can really feel yeah. the emotion. Maybe all the notes he hasn't been able to play in this role over the last few years are, are maybe being being played here. Yeah, I absolutely think so. And for me, it's sort of tied into the other thing that especially this episode was all about, which was about communication. That you've mm-hmm. got that through Maya Lopez and her using ASL and how she communicates really fle- freely with her dad and her worries of how she's going to communicate with kids in school and how actually like she controls uh, the tracksuit mafia and, and is able to communicate with certain people within that. And then at the same time, you've got the way that Clint and Kate are communicating with each other in action, in battle, but then the way that she has to kind of communicate for him through the notes that she's writing and him being unable to, as you say, Chris, communicate properly with Nat on the phone, 
because yeah, what his son is saying and what he is saying don't necessarily line up. So I thought that was a really nice kind of thematic layering on this episode in particular. And also the idea of communication in terms of them literally pretty much literally getting on the same wavelength so even when they when he's not hearing what she's saying he's thinking the same thoughts yeah. so the, the bit she about walking the dog, the dog <laughs> like yeah. super super good mm-hmm. timing and and again her reactions really sell it and she's she's clearly like over the moon that they're kind of getting to this point she's like oh my god we're actually communicating yeah. she's great she's, she's so good. we talked about her last week in the show Haley steinfeld but she's um, maybe the best addition to the mcu for mm. uh, quite some time i would say I love Simu. I love what he did with Shang Chi, but she's tremendous in this. She's at the moment where the uh, the henchman talks to her about Imagine Dragons, and he goes, "I love Imagine Dragons." And her her little reaction, (laughs) like her eyes narrow just enough, it's like, "Wow, could anyone love Imagine Dragons?" (laughs) I was with her on that. Not a massive fan. I like not with her. I I like Imagine Dragons. I couldn't really name. I I remember they did one song for FIFA a few years ago, and I really liked that. And then I I sought out an album, and I was like, "Ooh, that's the best song from the album, isn't it?" But (laughs) I, I I know that they they provoke a lot of hate on Twitter. There's there one of those bands where you go, hey, I like Imagine Dragons on Twitter. You'll be deluged by people telling you you're yep. a twat. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, Kate Bishop being one of them. Yes. No, actually, no, because I think the other thing she shows in that scene is actually a large amount of empathy and the fact that she her her instinct with someone who is holding her hostage <laughs> is still to offer him good life advice. You know, this mm-hmm. is somebody who like genuinely wants to help people, and I think that's very cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Should we go back to the beginning of the episode? Oh, yeah. Because uh, the episode is called Echoes. Mm-hmm. And I think that obviously refers to Echo, but also to the to the, the echoes of the things that we do in the past and how they, mm-hmm. they uh, reverberate through our present uh, also. So that, that opening sequence has a lot of interesting things in it. So it has the idea that um, we get to see little elements of this ability she has. I'm not sure whether it's just something that she's worked at over time or whether she's just naturally very, very gifted. I'm not going to say the word mutant. <laughs> no, I, don't think, I don't think she is in the comics, right? She's not a... No. No, okay. So that that's not what we're doing here. Uh, but she certainly is gifted. She is able to see what's happening and, and mimic it and echo it in a way. Uh, uh, the, the relationship, very economically sketched with her father, mm. is good because that relationship basically lives and dies within two to three minutes of screen yeah. time. So there's a lot of heavy lifting going he's, on there. I mean, he's really good as well. It's uh, Zan McLaren, who's been in quite a few things um, recently. He, he showed up in The Forever Purge uh, quite recently as, as well. Film of the year? Um, I mean, Anyway, um, but, but he's just got... Doctor Sleep. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Crow Daddy and Doctor Sleep. He's just got one of those faces that is uh, just memorable and interesting. And you kind of... And in this case, especially, is is played as, you know, a really open character and a, a really warm character, um, which, I, I, you know, you instantly kind of love him when, he, when you see him chatting with his little mm. girl that way. And then when you see him being killed by Ronin, oh. I was like, fuck that guy. That Kill guy Ronin. Ronin yeah. sucks. Yeah. I felt really sorry for no. Echo. Yeah, me too. Not my favorite. And I know that we talked a little bit about this uh, last week and they have made a point of saying that Hawkeye, Ronin has sort of you know gone to town on all of organized crime, but the only two people we've seen them definitively kill on screen have been people of color, which hasn't been my fave. Racist Ronin is what you're saying. <laughs> Not necessarily, but it's just like, you know, and I get it, it works for the story and what have you, but it's just annoying. He seems to have killed some of the tracksuit mafia in that, in that same scene. 
Yeah. I mean, they don't linger on it in the same way because they're yeah, not, true. No, they're, they're yeah, rather disposable people, people, but well. he, he's yeah. definitely killed other people okay. in that scene. But, but yeah, I do take mm. the wider point. I think that that was an unfortunate um, addition yeah. to his kill list. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we, we get to see the repercussions of Ronan's actions. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. And there's, cert- there's certainly an element of that uh, for sure uh, in that, uh, in that, you know, he's, he's, killed what to him is just a thug just uh, another you know another rung up the criminal ladder on his way to whoever the owner of the fat man garage is you see that the name uh-huh. of the the name of the place was fat man um garage i think mm-hmm. so who could the fat man be we maybe we will find out who knows who knows <laughs> uh, but then obviously it'll it'll come back and there's there's going to be a reckoning of some point down the line with what he's done to echo's dad yeah, I mean, yeah, making it personal is, look, it's a classic trope. It's not maybe my favourite, but it maybe justifies, if we're, if we're going to have some kind of redemption arc for her, it maybe justifies her being in a dark place right now. And also, like, she is literally called out on that by her friend and colleague, She's he's, who literally says, you're going a bit far, like, rein it back in. Well, and we can see the rage in her because she, she yeah. assumes, you know, even if she's, I think at that moment she knows that Kate isn't, Ronan and Kate mm. isn't the Ronan that, that killed her dad but you can still see the rage that she has towards Ronan yeah. that's going to be very very interesting down the line first time I saw the episode when she says to Clint after he makes up his story we'll talk about that in a second mm-hmm. the story about what happened to Ronan mm-hmm. and she goes you're lying and the first time I saw that I thought oh she knows he's lying because she can I don't know feel his heartbeat or or something like that or she knows that he's Ronan and he's lying but the second time around no, I don't think it is I think it's more of a kind of it's more of a speculative you're lying yeah. rather than a definitive you're yeah, lying I think um, so too. there's lots of really interesting stuff there in terms of uh, the, you know the the um the sins of the past and Clint having to pay for the red in his ledger it brought up after what we talked about last week it brought up for me the first time because I, you know, dismissed the notion last week, but brought up for the first time that it was there is a possibility that he might not make it back for Christmas. But then I thought, well, what's the point of that? As in, he will pay for his crimes mm. and either go to prison or be killed. But then that kind of invalidates everything he went through in Endgame to be with his family. If you know, the one time he gets to be with his family, he goes off on a mission. But the Echo thing, I thought, was really elegant in a way because last week we were talking about how Clint is drawn into this mm-hmm. and Clint is drawn into this obviously because of the Ronan suit but it's Kate's story Kate is the one who's driving the story at the moment and so Clint having a tie of some kind to Echo's past true is really elegant in that it now ties him in directly to the story he has something he has a secret he doesn't want to get out it'll get out yeah yeah, yeah it feels to me that that's going to be a, one of the major drivers of these next kind of three episodes we're halfway through the season can't now. believe we're only halfway through the season there's, it feels like there's a lot of story that's here. that's my worry yeah um, th- th- there's a lot still to go but I, I think surely that has to be a part of it of, of Clint basically outing himself as the Ronin and dealing with the with the fallout of that because mm. I think it's an interesting position to put him in. I, I like that we're sort of dealing more with the effects of this because it was kind of wrapped up fairly mm. neatly in Endgame. It was like, oh, I'm not going to be evil anymore because the Avengers need me now. And there's part of me that's happy that they're dealing with the consequences of that. And also part of me that's like, the more you dig into this, the more it's like, oh, yeah, I know he was like off killing crime dudes, but it's that's still a really bad look. But I like that that ties into the guilt that Clint mm-hmm. is feeling. And as you guys talked about last week, his discomfort with being seen as a hero when he knows the things that he was doing yeah. in that five-year 
kind of time jump that no one else really knows about. I think it'll be partly, I imagine the next half of the show will partly be him unburdening himself of that, of dealing with the fallout and the consequences. And my sort of prediction will be him like fully passing the bow and arrow across, bowing out to go and be with his family, to do the thing that that Nat sacrificed her life for mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. that he could be with his family, but he kind of has to get all of this stuff out of the way so that he can let Kate go be Hawkeye and he can go be Family Guy. I, I agree <laughs> with that. I do agree with that. I don't think it's going to be a general coming out. That's the one thing I'd sort of clarify in terms of my own views. I don't think he's going to like announce himself to the world. Because that I means think, he goes to prison. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking about telling Kate and telling Maya. Um, and, and I don't know how far it goes beyond that at this point. Do you think he tells them or do you think they find out somehow? Doesn't, um, either way. But either way, he, 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 he has, to he tell has the conversation with them. He has to tell them. There are, only, there are only a couple of people in the world who know that Clint Barton was Ronan. One of them mm-hmm. is um, Jim Rhodes. Yeah. Another one is dead. Mm-hmm. And the other one isn't going to spill it anytime soon. There's no indication necessarily in Endgame that any of the other Avengers know. And if they do, we've already discussed, closed shop. This isn't going to be a musical number in Rogers the Musical. <laughs> you know, so it's very much something that he has to fall into this information. Mm-hmm. And it's twice in the episode he has given his chance to do so. And twice he doesn't do it. And he comes very close to it, I think, in the diner with Kate. Yeah, but so. he doesn't quite do it. And Helen, we were talking, we, t- we took a bus over here. Um, and you were talking about the emotional impact and significance of what he tells Echo happened to Ronan. Yeah, I think I think there is a tr- a truth in oh, that, yeah. even if it's not the literal truth, uh, that Black Widow killed the Ronin and that he was there at the time. I think there is that that's the moment that he you know knew he couldn't go back. Even I think even if the snap had not been undone, I think at that point he couldn't go back to being Ronin. I think she restored something in him. Is yeah. the idea there? But I told you it was the truth from a certain point, point of view. <laughs> Do you think Kate knows in the in the diner scene? It felt to me like she maybe knows, but isn't quite ready to push it she, yet. She's beginning to maybe suspect something that he certainly knows who Ronan is, if not necessarily that he's Ronan. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think she's. I think she's pushing at the edges of that truth. Mm. I think it would be interesting. I think there would be if he does tell her that is a kind of good reclaiming of that for him of him just owning up to his shit but i also think it would be quite an interesting beat if she says to him you're ronin and offers him some kind of redemption out of that i don't think she'll figure out i think she's still she's still too much starry-eyed exactly there's still too much hero worship there and now they're getting along along so well and the mentor mentee relationship is really flourishing i don't think that she will be eager to make that leap and be and will make that leap anytime soon. If her mum has all these top secret files on everybody, mm-hmm. does her mum have the information? Does <gasps> she throw it at them at the worst possible time? That could, that's a good idea. That's that's a good shout. Quite possibly, maybe. Yeah, who knows? I mean, uh, we should talk about the cliffhanger of the of the episode, mm-hmm. but perhaps we'll do it towards the end of the episode mm-hmm. as well and see where mm-hmm. see where that leads. Obviously, we've seen in future. No, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave. It. I'm going to leave my little theory uh, <laughs> for for later on uh, when we talk about the cliffhanger and, and Jack and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about just this episode in general terms. We'll talk about Kingpin <laughs> soon as well. We have a bunch of listener questions to get to. Believe me, he comes up. <laughs> so I want to talk about the episode in general terms because I think this might be the best single episode that the MCU has done yet of any TV show. 
That's a very big statement. Uh, I love this episode. I don't think it put a foot wrong. Uh, and I know it's a big statement. I loved a lot of what Loki did. And I loved, as you know, I loved a lot of what WandaVision did. And there are even, as much as we were, you know, we tend to rag on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Episode five was a great episode. Great Oh, is the is the real key here? Is it's the a recency bias? No, no. <laughs> is it the pizza dog? <laughs> I, I know I how you feel about dogs, Chris. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. I was thinking because we we talked last week about you know on the regular podcast. Someone asked, "Has the MCU jumped a shark?" Um, you'd be surprised. This thing. You'd be surprised to find we thought no, <laughs> but equally, you can kind of see that there are certain things that have happened over the last year that might lead people to maybe draw that conclusion. Mm. But I think actually they're taking it to the next level. And the next level is pets. And <laughs> Morris in Shang-Chi. Yes. And now Pizza Dog in Hawkeye. And this is what the MCU has been lacking this entire time. I'm now going back and I'm I'm marking all the previous movies and TV shows down a point because they have a lack of furry friends. Wow. Hey, wow. Goose. In Goose. Goose. Marvel. Mm. Yeah. Right that's Alligator Loki. Is Goose a pet though? Because Goose is such an independent operator and could eat everyone. <laughs> I would say the same of Pizza Dog. Mm. <laughs> I mean, who's who's pet in this scenario, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sad that we're doing this in real life and not on Squadcast because my Squadcast name would have been Sir Dog of Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dogfather personally. That that was my one. Yeah. But, but okay. It may be um, maybe a, a bold statement. James isn't here this week, so someone's got to make the bold statement, right? <laughs> but I thought this episode was terrific. I thought it was able to balance the intimate drama mm-hmm. up the stakes sufficiently for our hero in particular, you know, the, the Mr. Hawkeye, and nail the action stuff also. Amazingly well, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that extended sequence in the, in the warehouse was... Fine. It was good. Nicely good. choreographed. Yeah. It was it was decent. But the car chase yeah. with the 360 shot, which became oh, over 720, man. maybe, really good. Amazing. And oh, only a couple of dodgy green screen shots aside, it looked like, oh, this is something that they've pretty much done. And you know, there's a sense of place, a sense mm-hmm. of location. Not sure that the Brooklyn Bridge is ever that empty, but you know, hey ho. <laughs> God, that, was that, it the Brooklyn Bridge? Was it I Brooklyn Bridge? Sure I thought it was Brooklyn Bridge. I, I, I mean, there's a couple that you know have like like the Triborough Bridge and stuff. Like that. Someone will correct me. One. I'm yeah, sure. Please, if yeah. you're if you're a New Yorker, please do let us know. Yeah, that that revolving shot in the car was incredible, and it was something that was a really kind of interesting stylistic choice in terms of the camera work, but at the same time gave you the geography of that action sequence perfectly. And I love the way that it was kind of staying within the car, but then when Kate kind of popped up out the window, then the camera followed her up Mm -hmm. out the window. And then as she drew the bow and arrow and the way that her face was framed and and the sort of perspective of of her hand holding the bow kind of right up to the camera and her face kind of further along in the shot Mm -hmm. was incredible. It was so, so good. I think it was Queensborough Bridge. Queensborough Bridge. Okay, yeah. so they're on the way to. Was that presumably going on the way to pick up Peter Parker? I, I, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know nothing about New York geography, um, <laughs> as is becoming <laughs> abundantly clear. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely right, Ben. I would say great work this week. So it wasn't directed by Reese Thomas. It was directed by Bert and Bertie. Um, mm. Not one person whose name is Bert and Bertie, <laughs> but two people called not Bert and Bertie. Bert and Ernie, not, not Bert and Ernie. Bertie. No, Bert and Bertie. Yeah, yeah. I love as well that. Uh, the Dodge Challenger, which is an homage from the Faction Arjar comics. Uh, they don't break into that and it gets totaled anyway. Yeah. Uh, I love that. <laughs> really, really good. But yeah, no, that, that scene, everything about that scene works. Can we talk about the Pym Arrow? I think I've waited long enough to say <laughs> Pym Arrow because that moment was awesome. 
and made me clap and I, I, sh- I should clarify for everybody that Amon actually came into the studio today carrying a giant placard, a sort of sandwich board effect, <laughs> saying, I want to talk about the Pim Arrow. So he really has been very, very patient. I have been sending all caps messages to both Chris and Helen today about the Pim Arrow. I do have He's questions about it. <laughs> I feel left out, to be honest. I didn't get any messages. Send me the text. Go on, do, it, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. It's fine. If, I, I'm I'm wait, if I, I had mind. signal... You got no signal. I'm on flight mode as well because I'm professional. Oh, well, oh okay, so, okay. okay. So, some of us aren't. Yeah. But as soon as this podcast is over, then I, I love the <laughs> idea because we often see like bits of stock tech in the world, so it's just nice to see a bit of pim tech mm. out I, there for okay. No, we mm. should. We, Chris and I were discussing this on the bus mm. on the way here. Chris has a very legitimate question to begin with. Please, what the fuck it. is my main question? No, I loved it. The idea of a Pim Arrow, Super cool. terrific. Yeah. Teamwork between Kate and Clint, terrific. Mm-hmm. How that was pulled off, special effects-wise, terrific. In what world is Hank Pym making arrows for Clint Barton? But then Clint this has one. a pretty good relationship with Scott because they were both locked up around the same time. They mm-hmm. are the two people who were like, hey, where were you mm-hmm. during Infinity War? And they were like, I don't know, where were you during Infinity War? Let's be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll buy that. I'll, I'll accept Ben's head cannon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar, but I do have other further questions. Mm. Um, for example, Clint is a kind of black ops dude, right? And 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 even if he's not Ronin, he's still kind of like, super secret under the radar do you in those circumstances make a branded weapon for him <laughs> I mean Stark branded all of his weaponry he did but he was like out and proud you know um, and we're, we're doing the Grant Morrison thing here aren't we we're yeah. doing the Grant Morrison thing which is you know that famous Grant Morrison quote about how when you're a kid you look at the Batmobile and you think it's the coolest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life and you accept it totally and then when you get to our age and you're old and you're jaded and you're cynical you look at the Batmobile and go how would those wheels work where would he get them from Where would, how, how would he get that built that, you know and we're doing that a little bit with Wait, this it's just, maybe, it's maybe just, that's, what we, that's what we that's do that's what we do otherwise we, we do. Well, I just want we, to clarify it's not what I'm doing because I'm choosing to believe this is just the rule of cool and I'm just accepting it. <laughs> <laughs> this, will go, this will sit nicely alongside the how did Thor know to go to Wakanda in Infinity War who cares it's the coolest moment in the MCU and therefore oh, there I is. mean <laughs> there it is you live by the rule of cool yeah. that is your mantra if you're playing along at home <laughs> my big question about this and something that I actually kind of would have loved to see what if that arrow hit a bird <laughs> a giant freak bird Clint Barton doesn't miss we, doesn't we miss, have discussed yeah. this Don't miss. we have yeah. discussed this uh, yeah okay so uh, it's just cool it's yeah. cool okay yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll allow 18, for the rule of cool here is my other arrows related question <laughs> for this episode alright where does Clint get his arrows from and where were these arrows in every other thing? Like, why is he suddenly now, he's like, okay, so the world got blipped and I went bad and now I'm back, but I'm also kind of trying to quit the whole Hawkeye thing. But also, yeah. I have slime arrows now. Precisely, I, that's I my it. thing. I like, he's retired and then Hank Pym is like, oh, I've got a really good idea for an arrow. Oh, that's really good, Hank, but I'm retired. I'll, yeah. I'll build you one anyway. Go on. This Go on. is... The whole the trick hours thing feels very much like you know they're trying to bring the Matt Fraction and David Archer comics into it, and the trick hours were a big part of that. Well, and I I, yeah. I love that. And trick hours, honestly, they should have been part of 
the whole Hawkeye clip make up for but ever they, since. But they were. They they were, they were he's, only, he's only had explosive arrows and then normal arrows. That's basically no. He um, literally the, the and, thing and, 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 and the grapple arrow. Okay, yeah. yeah. But like the acid arrows and the putty arrows and slime. He hasn't had that, and that's a shame because. They really the USB arrow would have really helped fight Ultron. <laughs> he did have a USB arrow in the first he Avengers, did, yeah. um, which Remember? he did. Yes, America. that's right. <laughs> yeah, he did, and he gets yeah. it in first time. Unlike Steve, am I right? Stop it! Come on now! <laughs> no, I refuse. <laughs> oh, the look! On, the, the, the listeners can't see this, but the look on Helen's face are <laughs> being like both horrified no, and disappointed, absolutely. but also quite enjoying that joke. No. <laughs> it was a good joke. I However, could do this all day. <laughs> There is look. There is a legitimate question of where he got these arrows. Uh, I think in my head canon. And did you go back and watch the end of the previous episode? No, didn't have time. Okay. So Someone was talking to me in the bus. Somebody. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that was me. That was me. Um, so uh, I apologise if this has been clearly disproven already. But when he says he's putting that he stashes the suit in this random locker in this random place. Mm-hmm. Why would he have a random locker in a random place? Probably it's like a drop point of some point, and he has little stashes all around the world of his stuff. So he picks up a bow and arrow when he's there. So they will definitely spot him and come and pick him up. That's my theory. And that's why he has the bow and arrow with him when he gets captured, um, which is why it's there for him to retrieve during his escape. That's the only possible explanation for me because he knows where to go at that point mm. and when he gets the arrows. But, you know, I, I'm not alone. I've seen some questions from people going, hang on. That sequence where Clint escapes with the trick arrows is fantastic. Where the fuck did the arrows come from? Because <laughs> initially I thought he had just picked up either Kate's arrows or Mm-mm. just because it's kind of a gym type thing as well. Mm. It's like a sports warehouse of some kind. So there might be arrows knocking around. That's not too much of a stretch, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was a toy shop, though. So I feel like they'd be those little tiny ones mm. that you can give for was it a to- Oh, yeah. It was yeah, a toy shop. Yeah, and by the way, shop, I yeah. love, love, love him hiding in the ball pit absolutely hilarious <laughs> yeah it felt very much like Sheldon <laughs> uh, which I know we're not allowed to mention the Big Bang Theory in here because obviously everyone's decided it's terrible but uh, Basinga anyway smaller moment but cool cool moment um, at, at the start of the fight in the warehouse Clint jumps off the balcony fires midair mm-hmm. and frees Kate and wounds Maya's friend I think Kazi, Kazi, mm-hmm. all in one motion, which is pretty impressive. He, not he, he does some great, great shooting in that. The, the, yeah. Even the crossed arrows from one yeah. shot um, to kind of pin Maya to the wall is yeah. super cool. Yeah. Um, he, he, yeah, there's a lot of very, very cool yeah. arrow Our combat is the best. Well, also. it's pretty good. And I'm telling Thor you said that, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, guys, guys, it's official. I'm watching the end of episode two and Clint is literally, he is carrying a bow and arrow when he is picked up by the, uh, by the bros, by the, by the tracksuit. Fact cannon. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. When head meets fact, Helen wins. (laughs) I don't know. I'm very tired. Helen's tired physically. I'm tired mentally. I'm on. How are you doing? I'm good. Great. Ben? Yeah, I'm here. Fantastic. Look, look at them big old perky and young. I know. Oh. It, it wasn't arrow combat, but the other thing I really liked at the kind of start of the big fight sequence stuff in the warehouse was Kate beating people up with a shopping trolley. Mm. <laughs> Might try that next time I'm in Sainsbury's, see how it yeah. goes down. As, as your lawyer, Ben, don't. Yeah. Okay. Please don't. Thank you. <laughs> but in a world of like Keanu Reeves, I don't know, car foo yeah. and <laughs> pencil foo, shopping trolley foo. Shopping trolley Pretty good. Foo. She uses the like flappy bit at the back that yeah. <laughs> means you can push other shopping trolleys into it and she's like whacking people with it. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. 
Yeah, that, no, that that's a great moment. I also like when she sort of swings around the pillar and sweeps, um, I think it's Cassie's feet from under him. That also really nice use of the available resources. I also like she thinks he's hot. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. that was cool. <laughs> Do you think it might be anything there? Maybe? Yeah. Do I have to write these guys a song as well in, in Barton the musical? Cassie <laughs> is going to be a hard one to rhyme and keep it clean, Chris, so... Speaking of sort of using resources, I, I love this trend that the MCU has going now in that they've had sort of death supers with, with Maya. They've also, she also has a bionic leg, but mm-hmm. she is using that to her advantage at all times. Even in the opening, that warehouse fight um, we saw when she was fighting Clint, she uses the bionic leg to sort of block the uh, the hockey shot, which Clint hits winning. And like, there's, a, there's one beat, like a note of surprise in that moment, which is really, really cool. Mm. So... Yeah, I love that with obviously Lauren Midnoff and Eternals and now this. Mm-hmm. They're really doing well by that. And the thing is, for all of us, she's just an awesome character. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. just really cool. Like, I think um, Alakwa Cox is really great mm-hmm. in that yeah. role. There's something like really magnetic about her right from the beginning. And there's so much in that character already. Um, and then you see her in the fight sequences and she just rules. Mm-hmm. Like anyone can watch that and be like, oh, this is a cool character who like mm-hmm. I really like because she's cool and she there's a lot there and she does the fight stuff. But there's so much representation within that that is going to mean a lot to people. Yeah. So that's yeah. like the best of all worlds for Absolutely. everyone. Yeah. I'm infinitely more excited for her solo series just off the back of this episode. See, that's interesting. The fact, how do you feel about that? The fact that they've announced a solo series. Well, we don't know that it's a solo series. Uh, there, there were spe- there was speculation uh, and rumors a few months ago that Echo might, in some way, be a show that brings together the Netflix characters again. Mm. Um, I could see that. Which she, she could fit into that world. She could, mm-hmm. she yeah. could be the catalyst. I mean, you know, fuck it. Let's talk about Kingpin. Let's talk about Kingpin. Let's do it now uh, because I think it's interesting that they've announced this show Echo. Mm-hmm. She's the bad guy of this episode, but she has reasons for doing what she does. I thought it was also interesting that. Kate and Clint basically do take out a whole bunch of the tracksuit mafia, like mm. those guys from the in the Trust a Bro fan mm. who get blown up. They're not yeah. walking away from that anytime soon. So mm-hmm. they're 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 adding more red to their ledger as they go along, whilst True. trying to they're tipexing over one page and then pouring red over another page. <laughs> but she might be a way in. I think she's certainly a way in to Kingpin, and I think we should stop treading around it. I expect now to see Vincent D'Onofrio mm. as Wilson Fisk in a forthcoming episode of the show. That would be a formidable opponent that even Clint might balk at defeating. Because Clint sort of says that, you know, you don't really want to mess with the guy at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a clear allusion to Kingpin. Here's a question. Did he get blipped? Kingpin? I don't think so. But but then his work was unfinished and that seems unrown in. I feel like he Mm. wouldn't have stopped if Kingpin was there. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah, possibly. Or maybe he was in the middle of doing stuff. I mean, you know, and then Nat yeah. comes along and he has to... Yeah, but he'd, he'd buggered off to Japan and Mexico already by that point. Well, so he's, you know, he's, one would like to think he'd cleared up the US first. He's like me. He doesn't He doesn't have a structure to his work. He'll, he'll, be, <laughs> that, that he'll be someone who goes, all right, I'll do this today yeah. and then I should do this other thing. I should see this through to his natural conclusion. But, ooh, shiny thing over here. Yeah, so, and also Air Miles. <laughs> Interesting, interesting theories. All yes, um, that's my head cannon. He's he's collecting he's collecting mad <laughs> he's air miles. Collecting mad but, air miles. Mm. So I think we will see Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. I'm going to throw this out here. I'm going to throw this out here. I think Alakwa Cox is not the only actor called Cox we'll see in this show before it ends. <gasps> Daredevil in the MCU confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> I think the timing is coming together nicely. Right, there are rumors that he is in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. 
So that establishes him back in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, boom, who shows up but Matthew Murdoch? I wonder if we will actually... <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> Look at his face. He's so happy. Um, How's that for your rule of cool? <laughs> <laughs> We've been, can we, can we just say before Helen um, tramples all over my dreams we have been monstrously wrong before very yeah. much so yeah, yeah. we're okay. you know Reed Richards Mephisto <laughs> X-Men none of that happens it's too late Chris you said what you said you got me hyped you can't then take it back <laughs> I said what I said man <laughs> don't believe the hype like, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be Coxigo going this in this wow. season. Oh, <laughs> well, like the Frozen musical. <laughs> Let it go, Ben. <laughs> Look at us finishing each other's sandwiches. Oh. So I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they save Kingpin per se. You can't tease. No, I'm not. Like, okay, I think you might see Echo getting in trouble with Kingpin. I don't know that you necessarily see. Hawkeye versus Kingpin in this show at this time. I feel like they save Kingpin for down the line. I think they're they're teasing him, they're setting him up, they're establishing him. I don't think we get full on Kingpin I, and war, war at this point. I think we get to see Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, if, if we get to see Charlie Cox, I think it's going to be like post-credit scene at the end of episode six. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to get anything more than that. Um, but it's Christmas. It's a time of miracle. <laughs> Believe me, especially after Chris has just posited, I I would like nothing more. Like I might just film my reaction to that episode and just send to you guys, it, 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 just in case. But um, wow, <laughs> we get we get this film of uh, Amon with the phone on himself, going, "I'm watching the credits. I'm watching the credits." Oh, and no! then and then there's nothing. I, did, <laughs> I, I joined TikTok today. Oh really? No. Oh, you? oh Chris, no. I haven't I haven't done anything yet because it scares me. But yeah, I might, I might do the same. I might do the same. On the subject of the Netflix shows, something that you didn't discuss last week, because I mean, why would you? But that immediately stood out in those first two episodes. I can't remember which one it was in, but in those Netflix... <laughs> but it stood out. <laughs> it stood out anyway. <laughs> in those Netflix shows, they spent a weird amount of time like in corridors, having conversations in corridors. Mm-hmm. I think mostly outside like Jessica Jones's apartment slash yeah. office and outside daredevils Mm -hmm. i don't know law firm slash Mm -hmm. apartment block whatever Mm -hmm. and there was a scene where clint and kate were in a sort of yellowy apartment block hallway and i was like this looks so much like the netflix shows and immediately just for me got me centered in that area of new york and in that feeling and i don't know maybe i'm reading way too much into this but i i was not expecting that to pop up in my head while watching this show but they walked into that apartment block they were in the corridor and i was like i mm. suddenly feel like we're in one of those netflix mm. marvel shows you're absolutely right i saw someone last week and i don't remember who it was on twitter but saying that they also got real i mean the early netflix mcu mm. shows which were really good. Like first season of Daredevil is fantastic. fantastic. I really yeah. like the second season as well. Jessica Jones, season three of Daredevil Cage. is great. We were just talking, yeah. Yeah. me and Ben. I I, I really loved. I need to revisit it. I yeah, and yeah. it was primed for like a really exciting season four as well. Mm-hmm. And they pulled the plug. Yeah. Um. But yeah, now I I love for a return of Daredevil, uh, Charlie Cox and Jessica Jones, especially. Yeah. I think they're 
together with Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. I think that's three of the best castings in any MC, any, any Marvel thing ever. That'd um, be a really good chance for them to cast Iron Fist as well and, yeah. and bring that yeah. character finally, finally into the MCU. Finally to the screen, yeah. uh, who has never been on screen before. Never, never been on screen before. But, it, it, but this person on Twitter was saying that this feels like a cousin of those shows. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's in the same world. It's grounded. It's gritty. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to piss on, on all the chips, but kind of to do that. Um Maybe oh, that's my just because are covered in piss. <laughs> Maybe that's because we're just geographically similar. A geo, you know, Spider Man's in New York, and that doesn't feel like yeah. But also, like economically and geographically similar, we're in Manhattan. We're in, you know, crummy by comparative standards, and Manhattan mm-hmm. buildings. You know, how many ways are there to convey that on screen? True, but I would say that Clint's powers and skill set, and certainly, I, it's no accident that. Echo is bringing us into the world sure. of Wilson Fisk, True. Fat Man Garage, mm-hmm. and you know I think from there, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm getting, maybe I'm over egging the the Daredevil pudding here. Mephisto but, confirmed. Uh, yes, <laughs> but I think by the end of it, Reed Richards and Mephisto will <laughs> be best friends, and they will be give leading birth. the X Men into the MCU. <laughs> yes. They will give birth to the X Men, who will then r- rip off their masks to reveal Daredevil. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I, I, I I just think that one begets the other, you know, like Echo begets Kingpin, Kingpin begets Matt Murdock. I think that's basically roughly where we're going with whether we I, see I him. Mm. I don't know, but it might be one of those situations where, say, Clint chooses. There are three options for Clint right now. Mm-hmm. OK, one is wraps up everything with a neat Christmas bow. Mm hmm. Whenever um, another thing is that Yelena hasn't even shown up yet. Yeah. So we got once all that happened, then you have two people who have who feel that they have reasons to kill Clint. Of course, only one of them actually has a reason to kill Clint. But then you have so he he, he resolves everything. Everyone comes together. Huge misunderstanding. Ha ha ha! Please forgive me for killing your dad. I was in a bad place. I mean, your dad was in a worse place. But anyway, let's let's move on past that. And then she goes, "Yes, forgiveness is now my middle name. You are forgiven." So he he goes back home, spends Christmas with his kids, retires as Hawkeye, and hands the mantle hands the mantle over to Kate and the badly drawn suit over. To yes. Kate. <laughs> so that happens. Option number two is he gets killed, mm-hmm. dies, makes a sacrifice. That seems. I don't think that. I don't think that's. I don't think it's where they're going. Mm-hmm. Option number three, he does come out to the world as Ronan. He does pay for his crimes, and he does need a lawyer. <laughs> and, and that lawyer and I'm fanficking the fuck out of this yeah. right now I realise this and I realise that the show unlike Amon Amon's trying really really hard he's, he's going full <laughs> Professor X but I'm just saying that, that if I were if I were a writer of no taste oh, or talent <laughs> which I am that's what I would do I would have Matt Murdock be his, his but there, lawyer there is, there is no there's no getting off those charges there what, what mens rea he has it Unlike Bucky, he has it. <laughs> has what? He has both mens rea and the actus reus. It's entirely possible. I don't know what mens rea is, despite your many attempts to explain it to me. I Should we have some questions? Sure. Yes. All right. Okay. Question one. What is mens rea? <laughs> <laughs> From it is the guilty mind. It is the concept of sort of some kind of intentionality behind a criminal act. So it's not just the, like, okay, if you took the lawnmower from your neighbor's garden because you thought it was yours and you were just reclaiming your property, you, you do not have the mens rea for theft. Because you believed it, to, um, presumably reasonably, to be your lawnmower. Right. Right. So you're saying, oh, God, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. Anyway, so 
Uh, Until the next time. <laughs> at Sab underscore Astley, what did you think of Kingpin's early unofficial MCU debut? We like. Yeah, I mean, I love Kingpin. Yeah, good yeah. Yeah. Mean, hand on yeah. shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good stomping. Yeah, yeah. Stomp. good stomping. Yeah, like boom, boom, boom. It's like this is a heavy set gentleman. Mm-hmm. Large man. Yeah, mm-hmm. a large man. I should mm-hmm. clarify. I love Kingpin, but I think he's a terrible person. I just yeah. want to make that yeah. very clear. I love mm-hmm. that he is a great character. I like the character of Wilson Fisk. I'm not condoning the Kingpin's actions, Quite. whether under mens rea or not. <laughs> no, that's not how you... What about Chris Rea? Uh, not connected. He's driving home for Christmas, not, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, Nor is Stephen Rea connected. Okay. I also like Kingpin, the Farley Brothers movie, which, in my opinion, yeah, is their best movie. There you go. Here's a question from at... Andrew Galvin, 14. Is liking Imagine Dragons the best shorthand ever for a henchman being pure evil? <laughs> he doesn't seem pure evil. No, he well, that's, I think well he seems meaning. mild and middle of the road, which mm. you take that as your own metaphor. Oh, hello. Hello, Ben. Ben's throwing shade here at Imagine Dragons. <laughs> also, speaking of dragons, I like that bit with uh, young Echo at the start, which mm. is like, oh, a dragon's yeah, real. When we've seen Shang-Chi this summer and we know they're real. I know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit like, is she going to team up with like Fing Fang Foom or something? <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> uh, question two from Andrew Galvin. Is that the most convenient ever placement of a trampoline for plot purposes? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The answer it's is yes. It's a toy shop. It's fine. Ben Murray Holmes at Red Flossed. Is this one of the best single episodes of an MCU show so far? It had everything great action, super character work, and I got genuinely teary on more than one occasion. So if you basically want to know my burner account, it is at <laughs> Red Flossed. I think that's it's certainly one of the best. I'm not sure I'd go quite as far as you and say, oh my God, the I, absolute best. I but can't it's... make that statement without sort of rewatching <laughs> all the MCU Disney Plus stuff. Mom, we don't have that kind of time. Trust your gut. Trust your gut right mm-hmm. now. Yes or no? No. Yes. <laughs> At Bates Joseph, uh, are you guys hoping that the Kingpin, if he does appear, keeps the same appearance and tone as the Netflix version, or do we think he'll be MCUified, i.e., making him massive and more comic book accurate? I don't know. I think appearance-wise, I think it'll be the same or very similar. In terms of changes, I think the most likely one is he won't be quite as terrifying. Like I don't think you'll see like the head and the door equivalent violence again yeah. in you the MCU. Vanessa. Um, Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah, now I agree with that. Um, I hope that they keep him as terrifying as possible without, without showing, showing the explicit yeah. violence yeah. Um, because that is a big sort of part of what made Kingpin such a formidable character and mm-hmm. I don't want to see um, that character lose any of that uh, and I don't think Vincent D'Onofrio would sign up for that either. Mm. I mean, the violence in those shows meted out by Wilson Fisk was pretty damn intense. Yeah. But yeah. I do think a lot of the terror of that character came from the performance. Like mm-hmm. Vincent D'Onofrio is very, very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the performance he gave in those shows was, yeah, yeah. it was pretty damn uh, terrifying, even without him like literally crunching skulls. So I'm quite hopeful for them bringing that across. It, it will be weird thinking that I guess the Netflix shows have always been like quasi-canon, like ish, but sort of not at the same time. It will be kind of weird to have that character coming across, having seen him do those things and think that is like proper MCU canon now. Um, but I think they can utilise him here in, in, a, in a similar way, but without the red stuff. I don't think 
that bringing Vincent D'Onofrio over necessarily makes the Netflix stuff canon. Like, there's so many multiverses now, you can just say that that's just another one of those multiverses, yeah. and this is a different version of Kingpin, which obviously has a lot of similarities to the Netflix stuff. You absolutely can. Although the Netflix shows were meant to be canon at the yeah. time, and were sold as canon. <laughs> so and was I Agents think, of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yes, and, and I think that this has been, you know, this has obviously been something we've discussed at length, but the the fact that Marvel, the MCU proper as in the cinematic arm, has not played well with others up mm -mm. to this point. And, you know, what is interesting and fascinating about all this stuff is they are now genuinely sharing the sandbox with these other characters. But that's not to say they're exactly the versions we've seen before. All right, just a few last questions. At G.J. Koijman, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, wonder what you guys think of the explicit mention in the first two episodes about Avengers Tower and that Stark sold it. It felt so deliberate this time around, whilst every MCU outing recently has avoided shots of showing the tower in the skyline. Do we think clearly evil Vera Farmiga has bought the tower? <laughs> uh, you guys last week were talking about like, oh yeah, she's probably like, I think there's something kind of dodgy going. She was wearing the most villainous outfit I have ever seen in my damn life with the most villainous haircut I've seen in my damn life. She is shifty from top... <laughs> to bottom I maybe that. that's a double bluff Ben maybe you're just you know not as clued up in fashion as me and Chris <laughs> <laughs> sorry I tried to keep straight how <laughs> fucking dare you <laughs> be better than the gap Chris sorry sorry whoa whoa whoa, whoa. excuse whoa. me sorry sorry Captain River Island over here All right. the fuck where is this? I don't... The gap. The gap. I'll show you a gap. Gap in your fucking teeth in a second. Oh, Christ almighty. So I... There's a part of me that thinks that because that was all like tied up with the... Like they've got loads of money and Vera Farmiga seems really evil and Stark Tower was in the view shot of that yeah. opening sequence. Like I wonder if it's maybe her or the weird dodgy I, boyfriend guy. I, I think it's a lot simpler. I think it's literally to show the Avengers aren't local and won't be coming to help. That's it. That's what I think it is. I, I think it's basically like you're going, all right, this is Clint. Clint used to be in the Avengers. The Avengers, he could just call whoever's left, basically, and just go, hey, come on, help me out. And that's not going to be an option for him. Even if they were local, there is no Avengers team currently. So There is not or, an Avengers. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah. And in fairness, they're, they're still quasi-local because wasn't it upstate New York it was upstate New York yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. but of course the compound's gone they summer in the Hamptons at <laughs> Greg <laughs> uh, Sloss Greg Sloss at Greg Slaw at Greg at Greg Slow sorry I think the medieval LARPers will come back later as Clint and Kate need to gather an army to intimidate but not fight the tracksuit mafia and other gangs I think that's a decent shout sure yeah I think would that is a decent shout would they put them in danger yeah though? would they put like New York emergency services I suppose I don't, that, that doesn't feel like something Clint would do it would maybe add a bit more reason for the LARPing stuff last week which was fun but I think for me tonally like pushed mm. it a little mm. bit mm. into the slightly like silliness it, it was it was fun it but was it felt fun. like a sort of definitely a detour mm. I mean look it's not even the best like supernatural episode when they go <laughs> LARPing do you know what I mean so it, it, it did feel a bit odd in a Marvel yeah. show I did think that was the weakest part of the first two episodes. So uh, whether they come back or not, I don't know. Uh, D. Hutchins 91. Are you sure Yelena will show up with Kingpin now being teased as the overarching big bad and Kate's stepdad also looking to have a part? Will there be room for Yelena to turn up? It's well, a firm. yeah. This it's, is... we, she's been seen on set 
So okay, I mean, yeah. it would have been weird to sort of set that up at the end of Black Widow and not not pay it off here. But yeah, this is my one worry with the show going forward now because they have a lot of spinning plates and then they have three thirty-minute episodes to satisfyingly land them, and it's a lot. Are they only 30 minutes? Uh, they've been longer yeah, than that. They've been about 45, yeah. Thereabouts. Um, so, yeah, it's still not much time. I'd feel more comfortable if, I, if this series had a couple more episodes. I would also go. dispute in that in that comment that Kingpin is now the big bad of this show. I think they're bringing him into this. Yeah. And I think we will see him a bit. But I think this is like, oh, he's connected to Echo, and Echo is a part of this show. But I think that the actual central murder mystery thing is like what the big bad of the show the is going to be, which is either, yeah. well, yeah. let's face it, evil Vera Farmiga. Evil Vera Farmiga, <laughs> yeah. Possibly yeah. evil, evilish fiancé, boyfriend, guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one part of the show that hasn't really caught fire for me yet. Like, I love the Clinton Kate stuff. That's really working for me. I love the Echo stuff that was just introduced in this episode, and I'm already sort of falling head over heels for it. I love it. The whole mystery with the Armand and the watch and everything else, it, it feels, it hasn't felt urgent yet. And I'm hoping that going forward in the final three episodes, especially in episode four, we really start to see that take a bigger role in proceedings because I think it was the right decision to not have Vera Farmiga or Tony Dalton be really much of a presence in this episode. Mm -hmm. But that just means there's one less, one less episode for them to really be effective and actually make progress on that plot. But so. that's what the whole end of this episode sets up. It's getting yeah. back to those issues. What mm -hmm. else were the gang after? Um, what What is up with Jack and Vera? Yeah. We're calling her Vera and him Jack. <laughs> Sorry. Jack is his yeah. Coronation Street now. Yeah, no, I get this. And I'm intrigued by it. It mm. just hasn't grabbed me yet. Mm. I want it to really grab me, like I, Clayton, Clayton grabbed me and Echoes grabbed me immediately. I agree. Um, I think I, I think that's definitely going to be advanced in the next uh, next episode. Uh, quick aside, uh, Vera Farmiga's agent must be formidable because she wasn't in this episode and still got in the credits. <laughs> so well done, well done, Vera Farmiga's agent. Yeah. I think I, I alluded to a theory earlier on, and here's my theory. We talked last week about how in the comics, Shaq Duquesne is has been a mentor figure for Clint. Mm -hmm. I think that that they will be revealed very quickly to know each other mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of the next episode. Um, the fact that he has Ronan's sword might also complicate things uh, a touch. Who knows? But I don't think Jack is the bad guy of this show. No. And there's a, we, we saw in the initial trailer, there's a sequence where Clint is tucked up and he is at some sort of benefit or some sort of function. And then he, you know, something goes wrong and he goes, well, what, you know, some sort of a Christmas. Well, what kind of a Christmas is this? He does a little quip and runs away. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next episode or so that Jack and Clint and Kate maybe team up a little bit mm. to try and take down yeah. Fira Famiga. I have a question. In episode one, we got Kate's origins. In this episode, we've got Echo's origins. Huh. Do you think the cliffhanger to this episode sets up Ooh. the opening of episode four being about Clint's origins? Because we haven't really gotten to see that yet. I would like that because for me, that would carry on this idea. If we saw Clint as a, as a kid or his relationship with his parents, I think that would be an interesting addition yeah. to this kind of yeah. through line within the show. How much of the carnival um, sort of origin of the comics do you think is going to make its way to MCU? I don't, I just don't feel like we need it. 
And look, I might be completely wrong and it might be amazing and change my view on, on Clint forever, but I don't see the need to for him to go back. If they're trying to set up a relationship with Jack, then we might get that flashback, I suppose. But otherwise, I don't I don't know that we need young Clint. I feel like we have everything we need to know about him for this story. Hmm. Just quickly, on the subject of the comics, if, like me, you've not read those recent comics that everybody loves, um, this is not an ad, this is not a shill, but they are insanely cheap in a comicsology sale right now. I think for the next couple of days, you can buy that entire Matt Fraction, David Aja run for, I'm talking like four quid for the entire run Money. digitally. Well, so and, if, like mm-hmm. me, you want to change that, I would recommend you mm. do that. Let's have a question from our, our old question contributor, Fal Shopaholic, who's only sent over a number of questions today, <laughs> a small number of questions, because they have had a power blackout in oh, uh, in Australia. I think she lives in Australia, possibly New Zealand. I don't know. It's the same thing. Um, oh. <laughs> what? That was a joke. It's a joke. Oh, Zoe Bell is coming after you. Never call Here a Kiwi an Aussie. There's the answer to which country I'm going to piss off next. <laughs> I've spun the globe, I've spun the globe, and it is that rough area there. I think you've done two at once there. Yeah, I have that's done. a twofer. It's a, it's a two for one offer. It's Christmas. I'm, you know, it's, 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 it's Cyber Monday. I don't know. What do, we, what do you want from me? Anyway, uh, she asks... So, sorry, what, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Causing Offence Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Declaring War on Nations Wednesday. Uh, what would be the most useful trick arrow you'd want if you could invent one? Ooh. An arrow that can edit podcasts. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just fired up my computer, which is not playing ball with me at the moment. And um, then I could go and watch tonight's Merseyside Derby in peace, knowing that this, uh, this podcast, including all the bits that we need to cut out, um, was being edited very nicely by an arrow. <laughs> I'm sure Stephen ML would do a great job. Um, I... Just because I ran earlier today, I would like some kind of arrow with a kind of grappling hook thing that I could attach to a moving object that would then just pull me along. Or perhaps the arrow could like unfold into a small, you know, electric car kind of thing that would, I could then kind of ski behind, (laughs) just Mm, pull me along. The Marty McFly arrow. Kind of thing, yeah. Mm. An arrow that perfectly transcribes interviews. Oh my God. We've already got one. It's called Otter. Perfectly, perfectly though. though. Oh, perfectly. Mm-hmm. Perfectly. I like Otter's little idiosyncrasies. I like when it. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know it has a field day with your name. Oh my gosh, that's a never. <laughs> a man, woman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, last question is from Brian Robertson, and it's uh, Brian Robertson eight on Twitter, and he basically goes, "Is Hawkeye the MCU version of Wolverine in the sense that he has appropriate relationships with younger women? He's a big brother type figure to Wanda and a father type figure to Kate, and I." I meant to mention this last week, actually, and because uh, I think I talked about it with Reese Thomas. Yes, I did in the uh, interview I did with Reese Thomas. You know about how Clint comes alive in the MCU when he is paired with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know whether it's that wonderful relationship he had had with Nat, his wife, obviously Laura. His favorite kid seems to be his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then you have you know Nate's cute and all, but you know he seems to really bond with with Lila. And then you have. No, Kate as well. Kate yeah. and presumably Echo as as yeah. well going forward. I, I think, look, it's it's a sign I'm of wanted. non-toxic masculinity. I mean, I, I'm not going to call him our non-problematic fave because he's obviously he's killed a whole very, bunch of people. Very problematic in a <laughs> lot of ways. But in this respect, he is an absolute role model and, and a good guy. Yes. Yeah. He's not as cool as Wolverine, though, is he? That's the <laughs> elephant in I the mean, room. Who's, like, who's as cool as Wolverine? Cool. Come on. And as much as I'm enjoying spending quite a bit more time with Clint and like th- this is doing what all the other shows have done so far, which is like, let's take characters who have been kind of underserved 
in the films or just had kind of bit parts and give them their own story like that is that is great and very much enjoying more clint time uh but yeah comparing to wolverine who's just like the most charismatic x-man is uh he's the best there is at what he does bad comparison bub <laughs> I, listen, I like his lugubrious notes. I just want the, the chance to say the word lugubrious on the podcast. Um, but yeah, he could take, he could probably, the two of them should team up, I think, in a sort of old man Logan style, ultimately down the line. Anyway, they do in the comics. And that's why I said it. I think, honestly, man, it's a motherfucker. I mean, honestly, you know? <laughs> All right, rumble outside. <laughs> anyway, on that note, on that note, you would beat me to a fucking pulp. <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, that is it for this week's Hawkeye spoiler special. We eventually talked about Hawkeye and I had a good time doing it. So I hope right. you guys enjoyed it as well. Join us next week for more Hawkeye related fun. Where we'll be talking about episode four. Will we see the Kingpin? Will Jack and Haw- and Clint reveal past uh, alliances? Who knows? Will Fira Formica be wearing an even more evil dress than she was in the first two episodes? All will be revealed in due course. But until then, it is time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Amon Warman. Peace, bub. Peace, bub. No, no, bro, this week? Bro, I'm switching, I'm, bro. I'm switching it up. Bub, bro. Uh, yeah. Trust a bub. <laughs> it's goodbye from Ben Travis. Goodbye. Pizza, please. For the dog. I, I, I genuinely have not eaten today. I would mm-hmm. devour both pizza and a dog. Mm-hmm. Let's go get... No. Oh, no. No, no, like a hot dog. The, oh, oh, okay. okay. Let's, <laughs> good clarification. Good save. <laughs> Chris, let's go. We'll go get some pizza. Then we'll go see Frozen, the musical. I hear there's some insane <laughs> nudity in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wild nudity. <laughs> Show yourself. Yeah. You know. I hear the the one and only wickedly talented Adele Desim is fully nude. Fully nude. Uh, it's goodbye. <laughs> good lord. It's good. It's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. <laughs> oh dear. God help us. God help us all. There is no, there is, where we're going. <laughs> there is no God. Uh, anyway. <laughs> only Arisham. There is only Arisham. <laughs> there, there is only, there is no soul. There is only pod. Anyway, uh, and it's also goodbye from me. I am off to rewrite uh, my Rogers, the musical running order, because I just realized I have no place to put pop a cap in my ass and (laughs) frankly that is an oversight for which I must atone thank you for listening see you next time bye